Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Comic Con Radio. Coverage of pop culture events from around the globe. Amazing interviews with celebrities. Daily recaps and reviews of popular television. Movie reviews. Everything fandom from around the globe. Comic Con Radio. Get ready to enter our universe. Let's go. This is Film Center. Your number one show for real entertainment industry news. No fluff, all facts. Now, here are your anchors, Derek Johnson II and Nicholas Killian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Film Center. I'm Derek Johnson II. I'm Nicholas Killian. And Nicholas, what are we getting into today? Today, we are getting into the writer's strike. Yes, the writer's strike. On April 18th, about 97.85% of members of the Writers Guild of America, which is the WGA labor union for screenwriters in the United States. Just in case you are someone who doesn't know what that is. Voted to go on strike if they could not make a deal with the producers union. Yeah, and so with the producers union, there's been a lot of interesting talk with the producers union i mean technically it's the alliance of motion picture and television producers right but is shortened to the producers union a, a pretty major one something that a lot of creatives had said for a while is that why would the producers need a union but hey everyone else had one the wj had one the dj had one the sag had one sag and then after and as of today, you know, SAG and AFTRA are actually one and the same. Yeah, they merged. Right. So when these deals are really happening, the big people, quote unquote, at the top are the producers. So for a while, we've been like, why are they even have a union? But I guess it's for things like this, because now the WGA is going against the producers union. So on May 1st, they did not reach a deal. So on May 2nd, they proceeded to strike. Yeah, me and Nicholas have visited the strikes Mm -hmm. ourselves. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, what do you as a writer think about this going on? To be fair, I had to take a little bit of a step back. Now, full disclaimer, I don't only just write, I also direct. And so it's like, since I have my hands in a couple different pies, however, I can definitely see how someone who only makes money from writing is like, I mean, this is their everything, right? There's also a bit of perspective here because there is a lot of people who went to these strikes, right? They were striking outside of Disney. They were striking outside of Universal, you know, and WG does a good job of keeping everyone like up to date on what's happening. Right. But really, this feels like it was a long time coming. Actually, it feels like this strike should have happened a while ago. I'll break it down to people who, who don't really understand why streaming is not paying writers. The median pay for a screenwriter has fallen by 14% since 2018, and the writer-producer's pay has fallen by 23% over the last decade. People aren't getting paid as much as they used to, but it used to be that you're, you get put on a show, and your show, as long as there are reruns and stuff like that on the television, you get paid because those networks have ads, Right. That's how they're getting their money is through ad revenue. Right. That's why Nielsen was such a big deal because they say, oh, we have X amount of people watching so we can charge X amount of dollars. Right. And get right. X amount of revenue. However, with streaming, they only get paid once. Right. People are watching it again and again and again. And then they get paid that once because there are no more ads. I mean, the only and we, we talked a little bit about this before. Mm-hmm. The really the only streaming sites that are making any money 
is Amazon and Apple. And by making money, I mean can sustain themselves because they're not reliant on strictly shows, right? Right. So it's all about, I mean, it's all about the money. And then on top of that, a lot of people are being treated as gigs instead of actually hiring them to be on the show. A lot of people were really worried, especially when we went to the strike right we yeah were we were striking outside of disney the... yeah we, but... we we made it we made, uh, let's just say that me and nicholas are not from los angeles right. so we know how to strike for real right and well, i'll just leave it at that we got a surprising amount of honks from people coming out of the studios you can tell who and who was not going to honk oh yeah the people with the really nice cars were not honking they were just looking at us like in disgust yeah are these peasants and it's ridiculous you can tell who it is i mean it's the guy who's wearing a button-up shirt under a sweater vest in his you know in his brand new uh, bmw or tesla or whatever i'm not well to be fair it's not like none of the people in the wga have those cars either to be fair however we're the ones getting screwed over here so it's a little different right you know the crazy part is is that other than the 2007 strike actually this is the fifth strike in history The very first strike was in 1960, and what exactly it did was it compensated writers for their work, gave them pensions. It's amazing how easily they want to just screw over the writers. Yeah. And to say, it's not only about money, but we're talking about money now, so we'll move on to other parts of it, the strike later. Right. But it's amazing how... Like, you can't have anything without it being written. There's no hiring actors. There's no hiring directors. There is nothing to produce, right? There's nothing to show without there being, at first, a script. And right. somehow, these are the people that they they often try to overlook and often try to screw over. Well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, right? The producers be another big deal. saying that they're going to AI in the writer's room. Right? Yeah. The problem is producers don't even know what a writer's room is. There's not... It's be yeah. Continue. So they don't know what a writer's room is, and the producers don't understand is this is how writers' rooms work. Yeah. So what ends up happening is they make a script, right? Send it to the studio, and they order a series. Each writer's room is a little bit different by the way they operate. I've been in some writers' rooms where everything is people talk a lot more, and they more like loosey goosey with it. I've been in some writers' rooms where you got to come with. Just a huge list of ideas, but it's all head by a showrunner. Regardless of which, if we're get if we're in a writer's room, the the series has already been ordered. Now, depending on which, how much of it has already about to happen, it could be a season. It could be like the pilot's already going to be shot. To be right. Ordered. But if there's actually a writer's room. They're at least going to get a season. I will say this. But it's usually it's it's crazy how it used how Hollywood used to be. Not saying that people weren't grandfathered in before, because they were just like they are now. But back then, they were grandfathered in to the lowest level compared to now, where a lot of people are being grandfathered in at the highest level. So they're skipping. It used to be producers; they would spend some time in the writers' room before they got that position, so they could see how the whole machine works. For example, if you want to sell cars, you gotta know how a car works. Right. That is not happening in Hollywood. You just have a whole bunch of car salesmen who know nothing about cars. The way that it usually works is you usually hire one to two really experienced writers, Mm -hmm. right? These are high-level, highly qualified writers. And then you hire about two or three mid-experienced writers, he said, and then you hire 
one or two the writers, new guys. The new guys, right? right? So you have someone to train. Right, because so, we're training the next generation. Right. But the way that it's come to now is that you can only afford to hire those two really experienced writers, and they have to do everything. I will say this. I have a prediction, and I think I might have talked about this before, but I believe that the studios might die eventually. I think this is the first sign of that. Why do I think this? It's because studios are not willing to put in the effort and the time to really find new revenues of cash flow in this modern world now with streaming now with so much stuff online now with so many creators who can reach studios or distribution companies they just are the ones with the money and they're the ones who are able to distribute right but i'll give you an example steven spielberg does not need any distribution company no steven spielberg doesn't care steven spielberg fires the studio why because he's that big of a creator it's kind of like that for a lot of people who create online People have seen giant YouTubers who they interact directly with the audience. They don't need a studio either. And as long as the studios keep screwing over the people who are working for them, eventually those people who are working for them are going to say, you know what? I'm going to go off and do my own thing. I Like Michael Jammin. Michael Jammin was a writer for King of the Hill and a couple other shows. Not a couple, actually. A lot of other shows. And if you follow him on his Instagram, he's now selling a class of his guaranteed if he made a show and then he put it out just like on youtube or vimeo or had some like paywall behind it people would probably go for it i'm not gonna say this person's name but he is starting to i know a showrunner i'll say it like that who was originally gonna have a show with discovery right and they've been kind of like backpedaling and now that when the writer strike it's like it's all muddy now right because of the writer right. strike however Previous to it, they didn't want to do his show like the way he wanted it to be done. They had a whole bunch of notes that he kind of didn't agree with. Like one of my one of my executive friends always says, "Not that I'm defending them. It's kind of like being a therapist for some showrunners. Your job is to keep them off the ledge because they are right. their, their, their creatives is their show. Their show running it. They're very defensive. However." He was like, screw it. I'm going to use Kindovella to tell my version of the story that I want to, and I'm going to produce your version of it. This person that will be left unnamed for obvious reasons. So the last strike was like 15 years ago, right? Yes. And one of the differences between the 2007 strike and the 2023 strike. I think it's referred to as the 2008 strike. but 2000, okay. Yeah. Is the thing was Netflix and Hulu and all the streaming services were just coming into play. The producers were kind of divided on how on how they wanted to make their money. So it was easy to make them infight. Disney was like, I really want to invest in streaming. And mm-hmm. Warner Brothers was like, actually, I kind of really just want to keep doing the same format. Nowadays, the thing is, the writers are having much more leverage. Oh, yeah. Because there's such a need, there's such a need for original content. Mm-hmm. Right, they don't want it overproduced. They don't want it overpolished. They're like, no, we just want original content, and something it, that's not based off some IP or something like that. Right, gives the creatives a lot more leverage because it can't be over corporate now. Right, and I honestly, the way I think it should be for the past, I want to say decade, you have had a lot of writers who traditionally did only film move directly to television. Not only was it making more money, but one of the things a lot of writers were saying, hey, you know what? I get more power. Right. And so with that being said, they're demanding more profits from the streaming services. I mean, and I think they were going to have another wave of 
quote unquote inferior TV and movies. I say all that with quotes because obviously I don't know the future, right? But you got to think of a famous example, Quantum of, Sol- of Solace, James Bond, hot off Casino Royale. Now, first of all, Casino Royale surprised everybody, including myself, of how good it was. It was phenomenal. I love that movie. I, I watch it more often than I would like to admit. But the sequel, Quantum of Solace, people barely talk about that movie. Why? It was affected by the writer's strike. I have a quote here. The Quantum of Solace was made into trash because of the last strike. The script was left unfinished, and the studio went to production anyway. This is according to an interview with Daniel Craig from Time Out Magazine, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody knew that the like you could feel the writer's strike because shows and TV were just being made haphazardly, and it wasn't as good as it used to be. Right. This time, you have on top of it of AI. I will say this. AI is going to have a lot harder time writing scripts and writing stories than with art. It's the reason why a lot of AI art, you don't see a lot of good AI art that can create hands and feet. So here's how AI works. AI works by inputting a bunch of examples. Then it makes a pattern, and then it tries to replicate that pattern. That is how AI programs work. So the reason why it's so good at creating interesting faces, right, is because a face is basically a pattern. Humans are, the brain is able to recognize a lot of different faces because it goes like this. Two eyes on top, nose in the middle, mouth on bottom. That is a pattern across the board. But with hands and hair and like toes, they can be any source of which ways that there's not really a pattern to it. That's kind of how writing is, right? Where, okay, it's a comedy. Yeah, but so what? Do you know how different and unique every single guy? There is not variables are endless. Even you can even say that movies that are formulaic comedies are still different from each other on some level, right? So, and there are some genres that thrive off a of formula that are still different enough to be quite enjoyable, like a romantic comedy. Romantic comedy is two people who are in love, then they fall in love, then something happens that makes them fall out of love, but then they end up together, right? That's the formula. Part of the writer's strike is to make sure that that AI programs don't learn from our scripts, right? Because once again, there's that fear of being replaced. Well, I think the thing is, is like... Or them at least trying So what came out of the 2008 writer's strike was reality TV, right? But everybody was striking and the the studios were like, we still have to put out content. We still have to do something. I think that the studios and the writers are smart enough behind closed doors to know that AI is not going to be able to compete with the human mind to write. But I think what they're worried about is that it will be able to do it enough to produce profit. Right. And it's not gonna that's be the able worry. To... It doesn't need to be an Oscar run. Right. We talked about this a little bit before. Most movies that have been the most successful, and by successful, we mean straight up box office revenue. Not only box office, but just revenue, period. Straight profit. As in, after the budgets have been made, after all the marketing has been paid back, da-da-da, straight profit. If it's the most profitable, usually are not Oscar winners. No. The likelihood of you having an Oscar winner, especially nowadays, an an Oscar winning uh, uh, script that also produces over a billion dollars is so rare. You know, Star Wars didn't get an Oscar. And it's right. Star Wars. And I'm sorry, I'll say it. And it's, it's Star, Star Wars. Wars, right? Yeah. And it didn't get an Oscar. So it's like, what are we doing here? But Lord of the Rings was really amazing and it 
got a ton of Oscars. Yeah, but Lord of the Rings also was one of the, I think, one out of two movies to get a clean sweep at the Oscars. True. So it's like, you know, and also written by one of the most prolific writers of our time. Made by one of the greatest <laughs> directors of our time. You know, this is, this is a, a perfect storm. I think that is an outlier. Yeah, and then I also think that as far as the WJS, WGA is concerned, they want more transparency from the streaming services of yeah. how things are divided up. Yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, yeah, here you go. And they're like, yeah, but what's the pie? What part what am did I you? What did you take? What was operating costs? And what is, what's me? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want to know. Exactly. And then also the WGA is facing a more united front than it did in 2008. There is a lot more writers nowadays, and this is also something the WGA has been very adamant about in this strike, is trying to get these newer writers a position. As you know, because everything is based off an IP and because they're only going to hire these experienced writers, they don't really, studios aren't really willing to pay for people to be trained, basically. Right, so like I was saying before, the reason why they were pretty much able to end the last strike is the studios were divided over how to handle the strike. Now the producer studio is now much more united. Right. And, you know, they're prepared to take a much harder line in negotiations with the WGA. Right. Now, I would like to say we're recording this May 31st. There is a lot of talk already of the DGA and SAG also going on strike alongside the WGA. So we're going to have to see how that handles. They might. I mean, the Directors Guild is in negotiations currently during the strike. Right. Right. And let me tell you something. SAG only has a year left before they negotiate. Right. That's that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's like. If SAG is kind of saying, oh, because there was a lot of SAG members out there right. striking with I see with the us. writing on the wall with the writers. If that's right. what they're going to do to the writers, then the directors are like, well, what are they going to do to me? And then the actors are like, well, what are they going to do to me? I'm like, just the actor. Right, exactly. So, I mean, if there's a front of a WGA, DGA, and SAG front against, they can ask for anything. This is not, this is way bigger and way more important than the previous strike. I will say this. I think that there is going to be something really good coming after this strike. Like, I'm not saying that reality TV is my favorite genre of TV because it's not. But I was I was going to ask you, what do you th- like? Reality TV really came out of the 2008 strike. What do you think as a writer who somebody is in the profession? What do you think is going to come out? What category do you think is going to come out? I personally. So here's, here's the thing. Why did reality TV get so popular after the strike, last strike? It's because it's cheap. Right. Right. Easy to make. But who makes a lot of the reality TV prior to then? It's still, I mean, yeah, there are some production companies that did it, but it's really almost like independent stuff. Right. I think out of this strike, we're going to see a lot of people going to say, oh, well, you know what? I know people still want to see my content. These creators, we're not stupid. You know? Oh, I know people still want to see my content. I know that if I put it out on the internet, someone might buy it, someone might like it, you know, and I have a lot of fans myself, especially because I know I'm good at this. Who says I can't make it myself? I think this was going to happen. It's, we're not in, like, it's never been cheaper to pick up a camera. Now, can you compete with the stuff that's studio-backed? Probably not, but audiences are way more forgiving nowadays. 
Well, that's what a lot of stand-up comedians are doing nowadays. Like, the most recent example is Andrew Schultz. So, Andrew Schultz went to Netflix, or he went to one of the big streaming platforms. It was like, here's my special, Mm -hmm. and they gave him X amount of dollars. But they were like, but you have to take out these jokes. Right. And he was really considering, like, do I take out these jokes or do I not? And he said, you know what? A lot of people told me, were like, dude, just go put it on YouTube. Mm. Just go put it on YouTube. Yep. He said, a lot of comedians are really doing well by just putting their special out on YouTube. Or not, or, or TikTok or whatever. There, I know there are a bunch their of... Their whole t- entire special. Right. Produced and everything. Right. And they're able to connect directly with their audience. Exactly. The only issue that I see with the WGA facing this strike is they're in a much more difficult financial situation. So in 2008, the WG had a large war chest that could be used to fund the strike. However, the WGA's war chest now is much smaller. So they'll be facing a number of financial challenges the longer the strike goes on. Yeah, that's true. There were a lot of people who are really concerned about if they able to like feed their kids. I mean, it's, you, it's gonna mess something. You up. personally have already been reached out to multiple studios trying to get you to yeah do some what do you call it scag work? Yeah, or? so they they call us scabbers. Scabbers. Yeah, and which or scalpers, scabbers, scalpers, either one. But basically, what they're trying to do is they're trying to find any writers that they can. That will cross the line, so to speak. So when the strike is over, hey, guess what? Those same studios and production companies that you two worked for, they're going to kick you out for those WGA guys. Right. Every single time. And, and then he- the WGA is going to hate you. Right. And you'll never be able to work with them again. Now, we'll say this. There are some production companies that are not on the list. I encourage our listeners to go to the WGA website and find out what's going on. If you're like a small YouTube creator... You can still write your own TV show, like, web series, and it's not going, you're not going to be banned from the WGA. Like, it's actually very specific on who they're targeting. It's not just random, right? Like, that's why we're still able to make this podcast, right? Right. It's because, you know, the strike doesn't really affect this podcast, right? Our our parent company isn't being a struggle. Quick shout out to Comic-Con Radio. Also, the thing that makes this, more prudent strike and a, and a more comprehensive strike is the public's more supportive of writers today. Oh, definitely. Like you were saying, the audience is more forgiving. The audience is more well-vested in the production of things happening. I think it had to do with exposure, dude. Let's go back to 2008. How many social media platforms were there? The technology is just so developed now. People like everything they like original content mm-hmm. they like how it's produced they want to know how it gets made i was watching youtube the other day and this guy was like yeah i spent a hundred thousand dollars on this little animated pilot i'm like dude and the pilot was really good it was really good and i was like wow this is just somebody like it's just no studio him and a couple of other artists who just have some talent they were able to spend over a hundred thousand dollars on this just from their previous youtube ad revenue which is crazy so this they're inflation more, this inflation so they're is also more, a huge deal you so know they're more likely to understand the issues that the writers are facing yeah plus the wg has more allies today than it did in 2008 that's true why the studios are kind of feeling like they can say screw you the pandemic right the pandemic there was a huge backup of shows 
couple what of we're movies. Doing. Right. And, well, you know, when, when things shut down, all the production's holding, right? So everything that was undeveloped, it just kind of finished getting, not everything, but some of the stuff finished getting developed while nothing was getting made, right? So they're super stocked up anyway. So they're like, oh, you know what? We kind of don't need you for a while. I think that they might hold out a lot longer than they did in 2008 because of this. The producer's union is a lot more united than it was the last time around. Yes. Because you could sit there and the producers could sit there and say, hey, listen, we're all going to make money, Mm -hmm. right? We're all making record profits. But yeah. Okay. If we all band together, we can keep it this way. Yeah. Screw everybody up. They resulted to reality TV because they didn't have anything to make. That is not the case this time. And... Not saying that 2008 was a small dispute because it wasn't, right? Then this is like two larger titans this time. Right. Each side has so much leverage. The WGA has more leverage today than it did in 2008. It didn't have much leverage in negotiations. Right. And then the studios are saying, hey, guess what? We don't need you. So what's up? But then the thing is that public is demanding more original content with the rise of streaming services. You think the studios care about... Let's be honest here. Yeah, of course the studios care about their audience because they're the ones who come see it, right? You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to talk bad about, like, literally all studios because most of them are, are run differently. But let's be real here. How many times have studios really sat down and been like, let me really think about their opinion? Well, that's that's why the rest of the industry is worried about AI. Because the producers don't care. As long as it's good enough to make money, mm. that's all they care about. We're going to have to rely on the audience to not watch it. And unfortunately, I don't see that happening. Because no. audiences are so starting with content, they're like, oh, well, as long as it's being made, I might still watch it. And especially since this new thing, this Gatching Ways, hate watching, they might just watch it even if it sucks. Because it sucks. Right. Like, what happened with Velma? Velma came out. A lot of people did not like it. I personally don't either. It's not a very good show. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but basically, because of its notoriety and not being good, right, a lot of big content creators on YouTube watched it, right, and they were like, oh, reacting to how much they didn't like it, which then made their audiences watch it, right, to hate watch it themselves, and then, boom, what happened? They get tons of views. HBO says, oh, we have tons of views, and then they're about to make a season two based off of all that hate watching. But I think, though, that the WGA is willing to take a longer strike today than back in 2008. There's way more at stake this time. Because the the WGA was not willing to take a longer strike last time. It's willing to do that today because it's like, I've got more power now. It's also the future of writing. AI is going to happen. Whether we like it or not. This is like the future of their jobs. This is the future of writing. We will have to work with... AI in terms of writing. Right. And where that is and how and how far, that's what this is all about too. I think the regulatory use of AI is what we're fighting for. It's really about making sure that their AIs aren't using our scripts to learn how to write better. Because once they reach that good enough stage, they're going to say, we don't need a writer's room. I'm just going to press play. Now, what's also very interesting is that these people who are claiming they can do this, they also, a lot of them don't know how to use AI. They're in a past generation. (laughs) 
I think they're relying too much on something they don't understand. They just know what it has the potential to do. And for them, that's good enough. Like we said, I mean, writer's pay has gone down drastically in the past 10 years. I mean, and they're being employed less. Like we said, it's... They're being hired as if it's a gig instead of a, a job. The studios are trying to turn writing into... Fire. you know <laughs> an uber driver or yeah. something like that like yeah. instead of it being like a career exactly like give me health insurance <laughs> yeah. like, you know give me residuals give me money so that i can live right exactly i'm not gonna say about this with writers but there are some people who still continue to work at the studios because of the strike who are working in these smaller jobs even down to the security that walk around the lots of stuff like that I don't really have a super big problem with them because at the end of the day, bills have to get paid. And right. if you're not in the WGA, you're not really covered, are you? No. Not saying that everyone in the WGA has the same pocket size, right? But what I will say is that you're standing with the WGA and you're in a union for a reason, right? When things go sour like this, they have your back for the most part. It's all about unity, right? So if you're not part of the union... I kind of get why some of you might scab, especially if it's like, okay, well, my bills are due next month and my children are hungry. What do you want from me? I think it's just the progression of what the entertainment industry needs. I was saying before, this is the fifth strike. We have to get with the times. In 1960, okay, the Writers Guild of America struck, which lasted for about four months and resulted in significant changes to the way writers were compensated for their work. Mm. Improved rights and pensions for script writers. Writers won the right to receive residuals for showing of theatrical films and on free television. The next strike was in 1973. The Writers Guild of America struck, which lasted about three months, and resulted in significant changes in the way that they were paid for residuals, mm-hmm. right? For movies shown on video cassettes and paid television. And then the next one was 1988. The writers struck for about five months, which resulted in significant losses for film and television industries. Mm-hmm. The writers ended by winning a percentage of the revenue from home video sales. So we're striking each time with the change of technology. Yeah. To make sure that our buying power stays the same. And stays relevant. And stays relevant. Right. So it's not that you guys are asking for anything more. This is the change of the industry. Right. And you're trying to cut me out of it. Right. Instead of taking me with you and into the future. Exactly. Yeah. This writer strike, I will say this. I think it's going to be a long one. I'm not going to lie. I think that if you're if you're listening right now and you're a writer who's not in the WGA and and you have dreams of joining the WGA, you should not scalp. You should not scap. Do not let... You will get calls. I've talked to people from Sony. I've talked to some people from HBO and some other studios. Not saying that these people fully represent those studios, right, who have reached out to me. Not saying that they fully represent those studios, but they are associated with them and i happen to know that these people are looking for writers to cross the picket line and i would encourage you not to do it mainly because if you do wga will know you will not be able to join wga and when this strike is all over you'll be left out in the cold i kind of think of it as a family okay yeah whenever you have a family fight let's say you have a girlfriend Mm. right 
let's say me and you are a family. We're okay. brothers. Okay. Right? We both have girlfriends. Okay. Right? Now, we have a fight. Okay? Mm. That's fine. That's family. You know, I'll say some stuff. You'll say some stuff. Yeah. And then that's what happens. Right? Right. No problem. You'll forgive me and I'll forgive you because we're, we're brothers. Because right? we're brothers. But let's say the girlfriends start saying some stuff. Your girlfriend says some stuff to me or my girlfriend says some stuff to you. I'm not going to forgive the girlfriend because you're not family to me. Right. I don't care. Even after the issue is the settled. The dust is settled. And, and you're like, like hey, listen, yeah. I kind of got caught up in the emotion and all of it. Yeah. I'm not going to care. Right. Because I, don't, because I don't know you like that. I don't know you like that. And even if you were the wife. You don't have the same amount of protection. The WGA is, even though this strike is going on, all these unions have been family for a while. Right. And this is just like you said, it's an argument between families. And so if you're going to be the person on the outside, they're going to kick you to the cold. They're going to kick you to the curb whenever it's whenever it's over with. According to the L.A. Times, the strike is costing them about one hundred million dollars a day. Yeah. And earlier this year, prior to the strike happening, they talked a lot about how studios were having a hole in their pocket, basically. That was a hole in their pocket. They said they dipped into the reserves, quote unquote. Although... These are not poor companies. We're not talking about some small chain of gas stations or something like that in some desk workers or we're not talking about coal miners. Both sides have a lot of power. So when you're talking about losing $100 million, I mean, that's a lot to people like us. I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, because it is, right? But at the same time, those studios can apparently afford it. Or else they wouldn't be doing it. If it was that big of a deal, this strike would be over already. This strike has been, it is, is May 31st. We're kind of kind of late making this <laughs> podcast on this. But, you know, if they really couldn't afford to, to do it for a month. Also, there was so much talk of like, first of all, we were marching. Right. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> first of all, we was actually there on the ground. Second of all, there is so much talk of the GGA and, the, and SAG also striking. We were just like, they might all just, it might be a, one of those, it might be a Ghidorah situation, right? So right. might as well talk about the Ghidorah instead of just one hand. But it seems like they haven't done it officially as of May 31st. Who knows? The, tomorrow it could happen. And then we'll just have to make a following up to this. Nicholas, how long do you think this right strike might happen? I think it's going to last a lot longer than all the other strikes mm-hmm. because, like you said, the backlog of content, because it was the pandemic. I think the thing is, is if had it not been a pandemic, I think this would be very similar. Not very similar, but it similar enough to the 2008 strike. Yeah, I honestly believe what's going to happen is that With this is WGA going to last habit. till probably... We would need some miracle to make it end in like the next month or two. Oh, uh, I they're not even talking. I do. I think that at the long end of it, they hit November, and I'm telling you, bro, if the strike lasts till it hits November, we're not gonna be done with this thing until probably like February, March, because there's a dead zone between yeah. November to January, right? Where nobody Where does nothing. Where does anything. But yeah, those are our predictions. I've been Derek Johnson the second. I'm Nicholas Killian. And this has been Film Center. 
This has been Film Center on Comic-Con Radio. Check out our previous episodes at ComicConRadio.com. You can follow the show at Film Center News on all major social media platforms. Tune in next Wednesday for a fresh update. Until next time, this has been Film Center. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Signing out from another amazing episode of Comic-Con Radio. Tune in for your daily shows of Comic-Con Radio. Go to Comic-Con-Radio.com. Reach us on social media, Instagram, at Comic-Con Radio. Comic-Con Radio, taking the world one listener at a time.